Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we take a look at CAF's decision to let Morocco host the final of the African Champions League, with a Moroccan side likely to play in the final. Also, we speak to Nigeria forward Victor Osimen, who's had a good season with Napoli in Italy and is a transfer target for several English Premier League clubs. He tells us about how he came back from surgery for horrific facial injuries. Most of all those things are actually a motivation to me because I know myself and I know the kind of heart, kind of lion heart that I that, I, that I've got. That's coming later. Plus, Stuart with a look ahead to Saturday's FA Cup final. But let's start with this week's big controversy in African football, as the Confederation of African Football announced on Monday that Morocco will host the final of the African Champions League on the 30th of this month, as there were no other candidates to host the game. And Morocco's Widad Casablanca looks set to reach the final. They're going into this weekend's semi-final second leg at home to Petro Atletico of Angola with a 3-1 lead. They're likely to face Egypt's Al Ahly in the final, who have a four-nil advantage over Entente Setif of Algeria. So Widad would have home advantage, and while this can happen in the UEFA Champions League, the host of the final there is always named before the start of the competition. Well, Al Ahly say they've appealed to the Court of Arbitration for Sport over this decision. Remember, last year CAF changed from holding the final over two legs, home and away, to having one single match at a neutral venue. Well, there was a trending hashtag online this week: hashtag Stop CAF Corruption. But CAF did deny any corruption in the process. Uh, so, Ida, was this criticism justified? Because a CAF, after all, only had one bidder to choose from. I mean, it's such a layered discussion, isn't it, Steve? Is the criticism justified? Well, I definitely don't agree with how CAF has painted this from their side, you know, which is that they didn't have any other choice than to give it to Morocco. Because, I mean, sure, on paper, yes, before the deadline for bid submissions passed, that was back in uh, February 2022, there were expressions of interest from the likes of Senegal, Nigeria, and South Africa. Sure enough, despite all these, it was actually only Morocco that made the bid, hence them getting this. So yes, on paper, it does look very easy to say, but it's much, much more layered than that. Steve, more than corruption and many other things in this, the starting point for me at least is the lack of organization because this chaos, you know, whether intentional or not, is what allows for loopholes for people to take advantage of. I mean, why is the location for the biggest football continental competition being announced with three weeks to go to the final? After the first round of semi-final games are done, which was also quite suspect in its own way, or at least seemingly suspect. Steve, this is ridiculous. And Kaf's logic on this doesn't make too much sense, at least to me, because as they say, it's to give an opportunity for more countries to bid, you know, but the bidding process 
ended in February. That was three months ago. And this will make it back-to-back CAF Champions League finals in Morocco. Look, Steve, I don't expect for Africa to mimic the West, you know, where UEFA announced venues for, say, the next four Champions League finals years in advance. I don't expect that. We might not be there yet. But a decent level of organization ensures efficient planning, not just for the host countries, but for the fans as well who would like to make it. Another way to look at this is whether African football is really at a point of just one-legged finals. They're expensive, and frankly, not many countries can afford it. That alone practically locks out almost all of sub-Saharan Africa. I mean, we saw Senegal and their brand-new 50,000-seater stadium pull out last minute. Steve, a two-legged final gives a bigger argument for equal opportunity. And it does seem that CAF have seen the light on this because they did announce that talks are currently underway to possibly revert to the two-legged final. But that is the problem with rolling out plans that haven't been fully tested, haven't been fully scrutinized, because with this level of indecision, It's clear that this was not foolproof. And as we've seen, even with the AFCON dates, for example, and other situations, the continental body does suffer from a chronic case of back and forth on decisions, Steve, which frankly makes it a laughingstock to the rest of the world. This also brings up a pertinent discussion on sports infrastructure within the continent and especially within sub-Saharan Africa. We saw CAF ban many stadiums not too long ago. And Steve, as I've said, it's a layered conversation with so many angles. But Al-Ali have since taken action and they have taken the issue to the Court of Arbitration for Sports. So let's see how this develops. Yes, maybe going back to having the final home and away over two legs will be the best solution. Also, while Morocco was the only remaining bidder for the Champions League final with the late withdrawal of Senegal, CAF has announced this month's Confederation Cup final will take place in Uyo in Nigeria. And the second legs of the semi-finals take place this Sunday. South Africa's Orlando Pirates playing Al-Athli Tripoli of Libya. Pirates leading 2-1 from the first leg. And also on Sunday, RS Burkhan of Morocco played TP Mazembe of DR Congo, who were winners in the first leg at home. And in other news, the South Africa Football Association have written to CAF saying that Liberia should not be allowed to play their home 2023 Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers in Morocco. Uh, Liberia is one of several African countries who don't have a stadium that meets the CAF standards to host international matches. So instead, Liberia want to play their Nations Cup qualifiers in Morocco, despite the two teams being drawn together in Group K. So they'll play their home tie against Morocco away in Casablanca in the second round of group matches in June. Uh, So the South Africa FA say that they officially object to the arrangement as it goes against the principles of fair play. 
Ironically, though, during the 2022 World Cup qualifiers, the South Africa FA allowed Ethiopia to host Ghana in Johannesburg, despite being in the same group as South Africa. And also, Sao Tome played their home match in 2021 Africa Cup of Nations qualifying against South Africa in South Africa. So we'll see what CAF makes of this, a complaint from the South Africa FA. Well, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, to our interview with Nigeria forward Victor Osimen, who plays for Napoli in Italy and has been in the news this week as a possible transfer target for Arsenal, Manchester United and Newcastle. Also this week, Osimen was left out of the Super Eagles squad for the upcoming friendlies against Mexico and Ecuador. Now, Osimen has had injury problems this season. He missed the Nations Cup finals in Cameroon after testing positive for COVID. And Napoli, where he plays, is a famous club as the former club of Argentina legend Diego Maradona. And Osimen plays alongside Senegal defender Khalidou Koulibaly there. And he scored 13 league goals this season. Well, Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji spoke to Osimen and first asked about his recovery from facial injuries earlier this season. He had a fractured cheekbone and his eye was out of his socket in November. Oshina asked how he managed to continue to fire after this. From the moment I, I get injured, from the moment I, I had my surgery done, you know, I, I read these things online like, oh, some, some people say the season is over for him. When he come back, he wouldn't go head to head with with a defender uh he, he cannot put, even with the mask he cannot uh uh not the ball and stuff like that you know most of all those things are actually a motivation to me because i know myself and i know the kind of heart kind of lion heart that i that, I, that i've got and of course uh, to be able to be back and, and and keep the goals coming uh is, is a big thing for me and i appreciate people that have worked so hard with me to 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 make sure I'm okay even when I had the surgery and everything like that. I appreciate uh, the love and uh, of course I want to keep on going. And uh, kudos to my to my teammates. They've been really really been supportive to me on and off the pitch. And I think this is the most important uh, important thing that I need. Victor, you scored in Belgium. People say, oh, no problem. You scored in France. Oh, come on, he did it. But you are scoring double figures in the Italian Serie A, one of the toughest leagues in the world. Tell us, how, how is the Italian league compared to the other leagues you've played before? It's really physical, just like what, uh, what we've been hearing before I even, uh, became a pro, you know. But I think the, the, they're tactically, they are really sound. The defenders, they are really sound. But I think, uh, meeting a player that never bags down, no matter the circumstances, no matter, no matter the, the scoreline or, or, or anything, no matter the team, the team I play, I think for me, I want to go so hard, I want to go so so extreme to get my goals, to try to help the team. I think for me, I, I, I believe without these uh, setbacks, I can actually really do more and I really uh, challenge myself into like um, doing more than I, that, that I've done mm-hmm. in, the previous, in the previous seasons. I, of course, uh, I did it in Belgium, I did it in, uh, in, in Lille, of course, I will, I will always do it anywhere I go to. Victor, the last time you um, you and Koulibaly did something, I mean, he gave you the camera and you took a show, you took some shot. What does it feel like to play in front of your fans in Napoli? It's really overwhelming. It's really, really overwhelming. I remember when Koulibaly scored the, the, the winner against uh, Juventus, uh, he took the camera and also took a picture, uh, a picture of them. 
I think one thing I, I, I really admire mostly in Naples is the way these supporters are so down for their for their clubs, like the players, the fans are always supportive no matter no matter how it is, no matter how how hard the, the team how bad the team is playing or the results or something like that. They always stand uh, behind their team. That's why whenever we win a game they always celebrate. Even when the whole player comes to the locker room, they stay in the stand. Even home and away, they stay in the stand to, to celebrate the win because it really means so much to them. And you can see the way Maradona is being celebrated in Napoli up to, up to, up to today. May he so rest in perfect peace. He's, he's a legend. He's more than a legend. He's like a demigod to them. And, and of course, uh, we players, as a player coming to Na- Napoli, you, they don't need to tell you this thing in like, Two weeks or a month into coming to Napoli, you already see these things, and you already know the importance the fans play in in in, in, our, in our in our team. Well, that's Nigeria forward Victor Osimhen speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji. Uh, well, Ida, no doubt about Osimhen's quality. Interesting to see if he will move ahead of next season. Right, Steve. Osimhen is quality either way. And if he moves, it will be interesting because he's now played in Germany, Belgium, in France, and currently in Italy. So it does seem, you know, that all that's waiting for him is England. And if he can conquer that, then, you know, he's definitely had a bit of a tough time, I'll say that, between the injuries and then missing out on the Afghan. But the next move will be crucial. Now, Napoli are said to be holding out for at least 85 million pounds. That's roughly 100 million euros. And look, Newcastle can now actually be able to afford that. The only thing with that is that they won't be able to offer him European football at any level. You know, we're talking UEFA Champions League or Europa League, which Arsenal or Man United can be able to. So let's see how it goes. Yes, and that will be the problem for Newcastle, despite the cash that they have with their new owners. Thanks, Ida. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart on Saturday's FA Cup final, Liverpool playing Chelsea. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, let's go to social media now. And last week we asked her, how good is Sajo Mane right now? Uh, Mane might be overshadowed somewhat by Mohamed Salah at Liverpool. But this season he has 21 goals and he's become the highest scoring African player ever in the knockout stage of the UEFA Champions League, surpassing Didier Drogba. Uh, Manager Jurgen Klopp has said that Mane is a Ballon d'Or contender, having won the Africa Cup of Nations this year. So we asked, how good is Mane right now? Can we place him alongside the likes of Didier Drogba? With your comments, here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Uh, thanks, uh, Steve. We had a massive response in this one on Facebook and on WhatsApp. Now, let's start with uh, 4G John the Baptist in Cameroon, who says, You are the best in Africa, big bro. More grace. And Lamin in the Gambia says Mane is the best player of the season. Abazo in Sierra Leone says Mane is an African legend. We give him our full support. Edward in Ghana says he's one of the best and a good contender for the Ballon d'Or. 
And Asui Nigeria says, without a doubt, Mane deserves it more than Salah. Samuel Ngigi Asaf says, if Drogba didn't win, how's Mane going to win? Mohamed Yusuf in Kenya is a Liverpool fan and he says, true, if we win the Champions League and the FA Cup, he should be considered. Now, Fode Ken Sese in Sierra Leone says, if they refuse to give Mane the Ballon d'Or this year, it simply means that the organisers are not competent. And uh, some comments uh, went further on this, including Addison Drew McIntyre Cooper in Liberia. Addison's uh, comment is, Mane is an exceptional player, but racism will not allow him to win that award or even come close uh, to the winner. Honestly, after Mane won the Africa Cup of Nations and qualified Senegal to the World Cup, if it was any European or white player, they would take this award. But since he's an African, he will always be silenced by Western pundits. Uh, but uh, replying uh, to this uh, is uh, T.P. Kasman, uh, who uh, says that the Africa Cup of Nations is not as prestigious as you think. It's not enough uh, to make you a Ballon d'Or contender. And Dada Namange in Nigeria says the Ballon d'Or this year belongs to Karim Benzema. However, Mane's efforts have been wonderful. And then we had some interesting comments on whether Mane can be ranked as highly as Didier Drogba. And King52 in Botswana says Mane is unstoppable, but he will need more time to surpass Drogba's achievements. Francis in Nigeria says comparing Didier Drogba to Sadio Mane is like uh, comparing Lionel Messi to Vinicius Jr. Nkosan Nkomo in Zimbabwe gives his views and says that uh, we should not compare him with Drogba, we should compare him with the current players. And Jafarel in Kenya says he's good uh, but uh, not close to Didier Drogba good. And we've got uh, Holy D in Nigeria uh, who says many football woke minds know uh, that he has even been more terrific than Drogba. Bar many of our newspaper stand analysts though uh, who are still holding earnestly to the past. Laugh out loud. Uh, the dude can uh, play anywhere across the front line while dropping at least a seven in any match at any time. Now, Osama Alin in Cameroon says uh, Drogba was a good footballer, uh, but the hype of journalists contributed a lot to making him a star. Mane hasn't got any of that hype from the journalists. And let's finish with uh, lots of admiration for Mane. We've got Wenka Senyui Basiru in Cameroon who says Mane is the African legend we have at hand right now. And Jeffrey Kamau Kiguru in Kenya says he's humble and never a screamer, uh, but his actions both within the pitch and without makes him exceptional. He's not a Didier Drogba or Mohamed Salah, he's his own man. Now Bolong Baji in the Gambia says Sergio Mane never ceases to amaze. It's just that at times his methods of playing and a bit of uh, haste fails him. For now, his stunning performances prove that he is hunting to be a classic player. Belinda Njeba in Cameroon says, He's my superstar. I wish they win the Champions League. A combo Dumbia in Ghana says, For me, Mane is the greatest African player at the moment. And Taya adds in uh, Uganda says, Money is a huge joy to me. African man with big progress.
Uh, so there you have it, Steve. It does seem like uh, this week most of our correspondents are supporting money to win the Ballon d'Or. Thanks there to Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Great discussion there. Remember that George Weah is the only African ever to have won the Ballon d'Or. That was back in 1995. Also worth pointing out that the 2022 Ballon d'Or winner will be announced in October. That's before the World Cup. So if Mane wins the Champions League with Liverpool, he'll surely be a big contender, having won the Nations Cup with Senegal. Uh, But uh, we shall see. Thanks very much for all of those comments. Always great to hear from you. Well, this week on social media, we're asking, does God mind who wins? And now Stuart's been speaking to Nathan Jones. He's the manager of Luton Town. His team made it to the championship playoffs, so they're in the running for a place in the English Premier League next season. Uh, Jones is a committed Christian. And Stuart asked him if he thinks that God is interested in football. Of course, I think God's interested in every part of your life. I think uh, whether you're a footballer, whether you're a bricklayer, whether you're a nurse, whether you're a politician, whatever you, you know, God cares for everyone. God's love is, is for everyone, and and that God cares about everyone and everyone's profession, whatever they are. I do believe everything's God's will, but I also believe that look, there's there's an opportunity when you are a public figure to, to do God's work on a global scale, and uh, um, I, I I've been very privileged in the lifestyle I've had. I've been very um, uh, blessed to be able to to do what I absolutely love, and I, and I, I think it's only fair that that we try and give something back to God. But when asked about my faith, you know, I couldn't do the job without my faith. And there are moments when I have categorically known that God is with me, and that everything has been God's will. So, so yeah, I do think He He, he, he cares about football um, because I think He cares about everything. Are there situations in football you find difficult as a Christian? Uh yeah, look, I think there's a lot of temptations in football. You know, there's temptations to to stray from from lots of areas of the gospel and of, of, of the straight and narrow path. And I think as a footballer, a lot of those get heightened because of you are a footballer or you are a, a position a, a, in a position of privilege. Uh, I think that's any walk of life. But as a footballer, I can really testify for, for the temptations I've had as a footballer. Um, so yeah, I, I think there are a number of things because of, of the. the sort of publicity and the public uh, element of the job I, I, I think you know there are lots of ways that you can you can stray I mean so now, look I, I, now I think it's a lot easier because I think it's far easier now to profess your faith there are people coming out and openly praying on pitches openly showing their faith by, by looking and praying to God there are a number of of nationalities here where it's far more uh, they're far more open with with, with, with showing their faith so so I think even though there are difficulties, I, I think if you're a Christian now, there's every opportunity for you to be open and honest about it. Can you think of any ways in which you do your job differently because you're a Christian? Uh, I try to be honest. I try to be upright. I, try, I brought up that, that way as a person, and I believe a Christian person, and I try to, to live my life like that. I'm, I'm, you know, I try to be honest with people. I don't, I don't lie to them. I don't tell them things they want to hear just because... It's easier to do that. Um, I, I try to, to show integrity in, in my decisions. I also have a, a lot of compassion in what I do, and there are those are Christian characteristics, but this stuff that I've been brought up in. Um, I forgive easy. I don't forget, but I forgive easy. And I think these are all traits that are human traits that that I've been taught through for a great upbringing and, and a great Christian upbringing that have stood me in good stead to be 
the type of manager, whether that's good manager, bad manager, whatever it is, but it's definitely the type of manager that I am. You know, I, I'm very passionate about my job. I'm very passionate about what I do. Um, I, I like the human side of it. I, I like to get to know my friends. I like them to trust me and know that they can trust me. They might not like me, but they'll respect me. Uh, and that's the aim, really. So I think, you know, just integrity and, and honesty and, and just a human side to me that, that, that stems from my Christianity, really. Well, that's Nathan Jones, the manager of Luton Town, on his faith as a follower of Jesus. So on social media this week asking, does God mind who wins? Uh, Jones said there that he believes that God is interested in every part of our lives, whatever job we do. But we often see players, coaches and fans praying for victory before a match. Uh, Do you think that God will answer those prayers? Does God mind who wins a match? You can go to our Facebook page and post a comment there. That's Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. And what do you think? Does God mind who wins? If someone prays for victory before a game, does it mean that they are likely to win the contest? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, now let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK. And the English Premier League race between Manchester City and Liverpool, it's very much advantage City. Kevin De Bruyne stunning with four goals as City beat Wolves 5-1 on Wednesday, leaving them three points ahead with two games to go and with a much better goal difference now. So four points from games away to West Ham and at home to Aston Villa will guarantee City the title. Although with their goal difference seven superior to that of Liverpool, probably they can even afford to lose one and win the other and still take the title on goal difference, even if Liverpool managed to win away to Southampton and at home to Wolves. So Man City very much with the advantage now. And to Stuart, let's take a look at the relegation situation. At the bottom of the table, Norwich City and Watford are relegated, with Leeds currently third from the bottom, but equal in points with Burnley, and Everton two points ahead, all with two games to play. Watford, having been relegated for the fourth time from the Premier League, and with manager Roy Hodgson deciding to leave, they have appointed a new manager, that is the former manager of Forest Green Rovers, who've just finished top of League Two, Rob Edwards. Edwards, who's 39, will be Watford's eighth permanent manager since the start of 2018. Then Vitaly Mikolenko from Ukraine scored for Everton last weekend, making Ukraine the 39th country to be represented in Everton's Premier League goals. Incidentally, West Ham topped that league table with goal scorers from 44 different nations. Mikolenko helped Everton win at Leicester City, only their second away win of the season, but enough to lift them out of the bottom three. Yes, it looks like manager Frank Lampard is likely to have done enough to keep Everton up. And Stuart, we have the FA Cup final on Saturday, Liverpool playing Chelsea. When I was growing up, Steve, the FA Cup final was the best day of the year. In those days, there was no live club football on television other than the Cup final. And remember that instead of the Champions League, with four English clubs involved, it was the European Cup with just the champions of each country. So for the other 21 clubs in the top division, it was just the league and the FA Cup, which gave the FA Cup much greater importance. 
It was Arsene Wenger, always the pragmatist, who used to say that finishing fourth in the Premier League and qualifying for the Champions League was for him more important than winning a domestic cup. And Steve, to make matters worse, the game will take place at 4.45pm rather than the traditional 3 o'clock slot because television thinks it can attract more viewers at that time. Had you asked him a month ago, Jurgen Klopp would have said he wanted to win all four trophies equally and that he was taking one game at a time, as managers always say. But if he had been really honest, I think he would have admitted that if he had to choose two, it would be the league and the Champions League. But now that Liverpool find themselves three points behind Manchester City, who have a superior goal difference, even Klopp would have to admit that it's unlikely that Liverpool can win the league. Suddenly, the FA Cup has that bit more importance for Liverpool. Chelsea, knocked out of the Champions League, able to finish at best third in the Premier League. For them, the FA Cup represents their only opportunity to win a trophy. But Chelsea have only won two of their last six league games. Chelsea manager Thomas Tuchel and his players have understandably found it hard to concentrate on football with the club being up for sale and being unable to sell match tickets because of the previous owner Roman Abramovich's links to Vladimir Putin. That may all lead you to see Liverpool as favourites, but this is a one-off game which could easily be decided by one goal. I think it's 50-50. Indeed, yeah, really looking forward to that one. Thanks a lot, Stuart. That's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers and Ephraim Tagu in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.